Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 231. you got Chris and Brian, and today we are going to nerd out a little bit yep. on AR-15s, uh, particularly of the 5.56 variety. Uh, talk about some barrel lengths, suppressed versus unsuppressed, um, different gas systems, kind of how... A little bit on the physics and things of how all this stuff works, and then also our opinions on these topics. Uh, yeah, take our two cents adjusted for inflation. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not worth what it's used to. Yeah, um, but we have shot a fair bit of rifle stuff over the years, um, both plinking, doing things kind of more like at distance or intermediate, like out to 300 yards ish kind yeah. of distance stuff. Yeah, and then also you know chasing that called practical rifle. Like inside of 40 yards, very, very aggressive thing too. Yeah. So guys, this this conversation comes directly from a, a number of conversations inside the shop um, with some guys that are law enforcement, that are patrol rifle operators uh, for local PDs, and, and a couple of, and most of these guys also have dot mill experience on that side of the house too. Um, so they're guys who were used to, you know, 14 and a half inch or 20 inch guns from back in the day. Um, some of these guys also are very familiar with short guns. Um, and, and looking at, you know, advantages, disadvantages of barrel length, advantages, disadvantages that that brings up with velocity and stuff like that, and, and some of the things that pop. So, you know, the, it, this is, seems to be relevant to a lot of you right at this point in time. And so let's talk, uh, uh, just run through some different things around that. Um, physical size of the gun. An SBR, a 10.5, a 10.3, Daniel Defense Mark 18. Um, or a Colt or whatever it may be, going to an 11.5 inch gun, whether it's a BCM or whoever's gun with that barrel length. Um, you know, the, the Mark 18 is a 10.3 or a 10.5, depending on which variant and how far back you go. But they're looking at changing that designator and pushing that out to an 11.5 inch barrel with the military simply because a little more barrels, a little more velocity, it's a little bit easier on the gun, does some different things. Um, getting in and out of a vehicle, working through a structure, uh, especially a confined space structure, if it's an older house or you're working stairwells or you're going into an attic and stuff like that, um, the little short guns are freaking brilliant for mobility. Yes. Yeah. Talk to a Marine who was stuck in Flamuja, Flamuja or Ramadi, someplace like that with a 20 inch barrel fixed stock M16, uh, maybe an AR-15, you know, A2 or something like that, or A4, A4. probably. Yeah. Um, you know, those guys will tell you that they just, you know, when you're out in the open, you love that 20 inch barrel for velocity, for the sight radius and everything else. But in the, in, in confined spaces, it's horrible. You end up either short stocking the gun where you're running the stock up over your shoulder or tucking it and doing different weird things like that from a mobility perspective. And then in, in the middle of that is the sweet spot of a 14 and a half inch. And if you're a civilian, then a 14 and a half inch SBR or a pinned and welded gun that's a legal rifle over 16 pinned and welded yeah. or a 16 inch gun. Um, if you take generically a 16 inch AR and you shoulder it with a stock in a middle setting, not, not all the way out and not all the way in, and then you, in your other hand, take a Glock 17 and extend it, they're about the same length. Yes. They're about the same length. So the you know all the conversations around a 16-inch gun inside a structure is too long. Yeah, you can tuck the gun in and bring the gun into you know that that high ready position with the pistol. Um, but the reality check is with the with the carbine. Again, if you need to tuck it, go under your shoulder, under your armpit, or over your shoulder. You can do some of those things too. But the reality check is most people are pretty in that high stress environment are really kind of getting those arms out in front of them. They're not keeping the gun in close anyway. 
and they're working corners from that extended position, hopefully staying back off the door jams, hopefully doing, yeah. you know, uh, a pie where they're doing, you know, 45, 90, 45 kind of thing, moving quickly to see what they need to see and go um, and clearing the room from the outside as much as possible. But when you go step in the room, whether it's with the carbine or not, it, there's, that's where the risk is. And the reality check is it is a big risk clearing a house by yourself. Yes. Okay. So, you know, the length of those guns and stuff like that, I don't think a 16-inch is a huge detriment. Um, one of the conversations that actually came up independently and organically from two different guys, uh, one dude is current Army SF out there doing the deed, okay? And, and I don't know, I, I know, like, he's a Green Beret, and that's about the extent of it, but recently deployed, home on leave, had this conversation very organically, and he was saying how out of the SOP mod kit, the guns that they're running, they deploy with a 14 and a half inch, and they also have the 10-3 upper to put on it, the Mark 18 upper to put on the gun, and he said they almost never use them. There are yeah. guys that use them specifically. Maybe they're you know guys doing <clears throat> counter-terror stuff. Maybe guys doing HRT, right. hostage rescue, whatever it may be. Um, but in general, the SF guys, there are a lot of them that choose to run the 14 and a half inch gun um, with a perception around better ballistics, more lethality. Um, more capability outside of a structure and things of that nature. Um, Better reliability and the, ease of maintenance too. Exactly, exactly. A lot easier on the gun, a little bit easier on the shooter, a little bit easier to run hard and put more rounds in. And, and I think his push with it was the increased velocity at distance from an accuracy perspective or a trajectory perspective yeah. uh, and lethality because to some extent they're limited with the ammo that they use to all stuff that's you know within within what the military has in inventory so that might be m855 and he said they don't always have easy access to 262 yeah. um to the 77 grain otm stuff um you know so around those kind of conversations you know there the the conversation came up that the ability to control and drive the 14 and a half or 16 inch gun a lot harder a lot faster because you got a little more muzzle a little more barrel and and a little bit easier to control that gun it's just yeah. a little less recoil impulse not that you can't tune a short gun, but if you tune a short gun, then you talk about reliability issues. So um, the other conversation came with uh, local LEO guys that have been doing rifle training here recently. If you talk to almost all the local PDs somehow or another ended up doing rifle training pretty much all at the same time, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but a lot of these guys are you know, running some drills against their peers, setting some baseline metrics for stuff like bill drills and stuff like that. And the folks running the short guns could tell that the short gun's a little bit harder to run fast. To what extent we get into, do you need to be running jailbait splits with a rifle? But the flip side of that, because you know, we talk about splits with a pistol, right? Yeah. As a defensive gun, do you really need to be running .15s, 17s, or as a 2.0 or a 2.5 split? Plenty for realistic visual ability to see what's going on. Yeah. And for most shooters to be able to put hits where they need to put hits safely and responsibly with the rifle you got guys now that are getting down into 12s 13s 15s are pretty common with a lot of folks um but you see group size open up with the shorter guns because they just move around more the recoil yeah. impulse the weight of the bolt versus the weight of the gun and the fact that a lot of them are over gassed to make them reliable um stuff like that carbine carbine gas systems versus midline gas systems. that too making especially that that makes a huge difference and so what a lot of these guys saw here recently was not that you can't do some work with a short gun, 
but that bill drill where you're really, you know, you've made the joke that there's not many problems a bill drill doesn't solve. Well, especially with a rifle, right? Yeah. Okay. So these guys are seeing maybe their groups are a little bit tighter. Maybe they're not dropping that outside of just outside of the A zone for one shot, or they're really stacking the rounds exactly where they want them precisely and a little bit faster with a 16-inch gun with a mid-link gas or a 14.5-inch gun with a mid-link gas. Um, some of that stuff really has come up in conversations a number of times here somehow in the last like month or two. And it, so that's what led to this topic. Um, so just talking size-wise, if you go to the 10.5-inch gun, a lot of guys are putting a suppressor on it. 10.5, 11.5-inch with a suppressor might as well be a 16 from a runability perspective. Well, from a length perspective. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah from a, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Maneuverability. maneuverability yeah, maneuverability, getting in and around. And when you add the can on, the can's a comp. One of the best comps you can put on a gun, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it helps recoil. It puts some weight out on the end of the gun and helps settle it down. Yeah, definitely. The, the suppressor will definitely change the recoil impulse. Yes. It uh, won't change bolt slap, but it might change muzzle rise. It definitely changes muzzle rise. Uh, a lot of times, I feel like with the suppressor on the gun, it's more of a shove than a push. Yep. Or a, or a push. It's more gentle. It's more yeah. of a gentle push than a, a real sharp shove. Which is interesting to sense. me because a lot of times the can increases the bolt speed, but it's adding enough mass to the gun that it calms it down. Yeah, I think is what I that's how I would say that. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's my perception. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it generally, generally, the guns feel a little bit more, a little bit gentler mm -hmm. um, with the suppressor on there from a recoil impulse standpoint. Yeah, um, you do have, you know, if the gun's overgassed looking at you bcm uh, especially <laughs> with the shorties yeah well i'm looking at you uh, mark 18 yeah yeah uh you know adding the the suppressor does mean you're now you're getting a lot of extra gas yes coming back at you so even though the gun might be and the shoulder might feel more gentle um there's typically a lot more things going on in your eyeballs yes yeah I means stuff blowing into your eyeballs out of the ejection port as well as the sights moving around a little bit more yeah. whether it's a vibratory movement rather than necessarily a huge vertical tracking movement it's just more movement it's different yeah. movement though for sure um so so this is you know this is where all this is coming from i've got some guys that were really that pardon my french but just had a total hard on for short guns and sbr and stuff and running cans and because of some departmental conversations maybe the can's not approved you know with a large pd or a smaller pd's not quite gotten there yet for individually owned guns and cans and so the, the you know the push from that is hey maybe if I go back to the 16 inch gun um, I'm getting a little more recoil control I'm getting a little more velocity a little more lethality and I'm not really losing anything if I can't have the can anyway yeah okay um, and that's and potentially a lot less paperwork going on yeah in the event anything happens to that lower or that gun yeah absolutely because if yeah if it's a personally owned device and now all of a sudden it's it's evidence somewhere then you know where you at with ATF bullshit and departmental bullshit and everything else. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, so we're so we we had those conversations organically, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I've got this many local professionals thinking about this. How many other local professionals that maybe listen in? You're going to hear this and say, hey, let's or responsibly let's armed citizens or responsibly too. armed citizens as well, um, and probably honestly a lot more responsibly armed citizens concerning themselves with rifles, with ARs, because within the professional crowd, you're, you're, you know, you may have to be like that five years on with CPD or something like that to be considered for the patrol rifle program, um, it, you know, and, it, and it's a little more difficult to get there. And then with the smaller departments, maybe they have a patrol rifle program where they issue it. Maybe they have a personally owned one. Maybe not. I don't know. 
but it, it's it's definitely yes. something where it's maybe I think a lot more of us as civilians think in terms of carbines, rifles versus a lot of LEOs tend to think more in terms of handguns. And then if the carbine happens to be allowed, then great, let's go with that too. Hmm. Um, so the ability to move around with the gun, 20 inch gun sucks, especially with a fixed stock. It's doable, you can make it work. Uh, you know, the Marines adapt and overcome. That's what they've always done. They've always been given the oldest equipment and done the most work with it, by and large. Uh, we like to make fun of them, but there's a reality check that uh, you, give a, you give a Marine a task and tell them to do it, it's probably gonna freaking get done. And it doesn't matter if it's with a soup spoon or if it's with a freaking M2. Yeah. Okay. Um, there, my, my bet is on the M2. Amen, yeah, <laughs> why not, right? Um, but there's that there's that reality check around that. Um, it, it is just simply easier to move about with a 14 and a half inch, 16 inch gun, and then even easier with the shorter gun, but there are trade-offs with the shorter gun. Yeah. Um, so can we push, does it make sense to push from the mobility part of it straight into ballistics, since we're talking about barrel length, or is there a better progression here? Sorry guys, we normally plan out our podcast a little better, but this was like something yeah. that came flying out of my hip pocket. Yeah, so one of the other, I guess, yeah, so talking about like the maneuverability aspect of things. Yeah. Uh, with a with a 16 inch gun, it's 2023. Most people are running 13 to 15 inch rails. Yes. Um, with the M lock on them, uh, Picatinny up on the top. Yeah. Gives you lots of places to put your hand, mm -hmm. um, whether that you want to run the 2007 Chris Costa Magpul Dynamics. Yeah. Overly exaggerated C-clamp, arm as straight as a board uh, thing, or you want to run more of the modern um, Pranka, Steger, um, John McPhee, yeah. kind of you know 90 degree bend in the elbow, elbow yeah. directly underneath. Um, your uh, hand is probably like the, the third M-lock slot um, from the barrel nut, Yep. somewhere about there. Um, but having, you know, that, that 16 inch gun, um, with the 13 to 15 inch rail gives you lots of places to put your hand. Yes. Uh, gives you lots of places to put stuff. Lights. Um, lights, IR lasers, yes. sling yes. mounts, um, vertical grips, hand stops. Espresso makers. Yeah. Chainsaws. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, going to a 14 and a half inch pin and welded gun, um, yeah, again, being able to run a 13-inch rail, we're yep. running the rail almost out to the muzzle. Yeah. Um, lots of places to put your hands. Um, honestly, there really isn't any difference from a how much room do I have to put stuff between a 13-inch rail and a 15-inch rail. And, and the only reason all middle-sized ARs, carbines versus rifles versus yeah. shorties, the only reason they're all not 14 and a half or 13.7 is because of the ATF. And the NFA. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's because of NFA. Yeah. That's the only reason ARs aren't 14 and a half inch guns, because they pretty much all would be. Nobody would have bothered to go to 16 inch if yeah. it hadn't been for NFA. Yeah, it's in yeah. the same same with like the 13.7s, 13.9s. Yeah. Um, with the really long pin and well with flash hiders. Yeah. Like all, they're all running mid-length gas systems. Now. Everybody's yeah. running at least a 13 inch rail. Yeah. Um, lots of room to put stuff, lots of room to get comfortable on the gun. Um, doesn't matter if you're standing, kneeling, sitting, proned out, you want to run a bipod. Well, what kind whatever. of barricade? It kind of does. 
Yeah. What it, your what's your terrain look like? Yeah. What are you shooting off of? If you're shooting across the hood of a car with a 16-inch carbine with a carbine link gas system and a plastic handguard, there's a good chance the barrel's touching the hood of the right. car versus if you're running that long free-float handguard, now you can put the gun almost anywhere you want it and the likelihood that you're not having barrel deflection issues or anything impinging on the barrel mm. causing your accuracy, point of aim, point of impact to shift, wide open. Yeah, and we will come back to that yep. in just cool. a moment. Cool, cool, sorry. Um, yeah, so you know, you call it standard non-NFA mm-hmm. uppers, um, you know, lots of room to put things, yes. lots of room to get comfortable. Um, you know, if we're running iron sights, a 15, 15 inch rail with, you know, flip up irons or fixed iron sights, mm-hmm gives you I think as long as if not longer of a sight radius than like a carry handle setup probably longer 20 inch, that, yeah, 20 inch sights, because you, of where yes the gas block is on the rifle 12 inch at 12 inches so we're, yeah. we're putting the front sight out another three inches yeah it, yeah uh, going to optics uh, because again it's 2023 yeah uh, all the the conversation around irons in the, the you know the length of the irons and all that kind of goes away mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean but you have room to put optics uh, optics are gonna be on the receiver anyways they're not they shouldn't be on the handyard um, if your optic is on the handyard um, I strongly question why is it there yeah yeah um, if you if you can articulate a good reason great um, because you saw it in the movies probably not it yeah but or on the, the yeah but the need um, for you know really long sight radius with irons kind of goes away with the optic. Yeah, uh, it is convenient to be able to put it there, uh, having space to be able to put you know the backup irons, the light, the laser, the coffee maker. Yep, um, is a lot easier when you have 13 or 15 inches worth of rail to work with. True statement. Um, going to an SBR where now we've got a. 10 3, 10 5, 11, yeah, and 3, 9-inch n- rail, 9 or 10-inch rail. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, all that extra space just evaporated. Yeah, and all the in all the M-lock, everybody's like, oh, you got M-lock all the way around it. That's cool, but if you look at, I mean, I have small hands, and I run out of space on a 11.5-inch with a 10-inch handguard. Um, I run out of space for things really, really quickly, even with small hands. Then you put, like, your hands... And somebody with goon hands, and you're trying to put a light, and, a and peck, longer arms. yeah, a light, a peck, um, you know, and, and a front sight, a flip, a backup front sight, and a whatever else. Out. All of a sudden, you're out of room. Right? Yeah. And if, in especially from a tactical perspective or a a uh, little more serious end user perspective, you may also be looking at dual lighting systems. You may need IR loom, IR loom, and IR laser designator, and then a white light as your as your secondary. Um, and you, in, in that environment, once shit goes loud, you're probably going to that secondary system almost immediately anyway. So, yeah. you know, there's a kind of the reality check around that, that the small guns, and we see this a lot more on, um, PCC SBRs on like the BNTs, the Scorpions and stuff like that. Especially the K models. Yeah. It gets, it gets, it's incredibly difficult to find room for everything, but it's definitely still, it's worse on a 10, 3, 11 and a half than it is on a 14, 16 AR. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, then we started getting into, you know, barricades, um, shooting over, like, a car hood. Uh, it's really easy with the shorter guns to get the get the rail on something and then not clear it with the muzzle. Yep. Uh, or that gun gets suppressed. 
yeah. um, because if you're running SVR, they're really loud. Yeah. And suppressors are definitely a plus on an SVR. Plus, they're just cool. Uh, and it's then now it's easy to inadvertently rest the suppressor on whatever is part of that barricade or part yeah. of that surface. Yeah. Uh, and not realize it because uh, the suppressor is about the same diameter as the rail. Exactly. And, you, and the problem is, if we're talking about in, in the real world where there, where lives may actually be at stake, you're that perfect zero off the sandbag on the concrete range pad, you know, in a sunny 70, 75 degree day where you know the suppressor's not touching anything, the barrel's not in a pinch, there's no big deal, but it's under duress Do you realize those things are happening. And, and even just in a training environment where your heart rates, you're, you're amped up because you're in front of your buddies, you don't want to look like a tool um, any more than you normally do, you know, and then you start getting around barricades and stuff like that and you forget about that and they're like, why in the hell am I not in the A zone? Or why in the hell am I off that chunk of steel at, yeah. you know, maybe, and maybe it's at 300, it really gets weird, but even at 100 yards, 50 yards, it, it can be, it can make a change that might matter in the real world that on the range is just embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. We see it. it uh, like, we've seen it, I would say, a lot over the last yeah. 15 years of beating on this stuff. So. Yeah. The other thing that you have with the shorty ARs is considerably more heat soak. Yeah. Uh, you know, having a shorter barrel, shorter handyard, um, there's less mass to absorb heat. Um, yeah. Running, planning on running more than a mag or two out of a shorty, um, you definitely want the AK style oven mitt. Yep, um, especially suppressed, yeah. especially suppressed where you're containing some of that gas and keeping it at home. It gets hot super yeah. quick. So, yeah. Um, does that, so I jumped in, I apologize. I jumped <laughs> in, but does that kind of, that kind of covers the maneuverability functionality aspect of it from yeah. the standpoint of how you're going to physically use the gun in whatever terrain's available to you kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, uh, and with the, so the other, I guess the one other consideration with the shorty, uh, as soon as you put that suppressor on it, now we're back to that 16, 18 yep. inch yes. overall length. Yeah. Uh, Which is the brilliant, yeah. to me, that's what's brilliant about a shorty, is that you can put a can on it and still have a 16 inch or less gun. Yep. That's what, that's, that's to me, that's the sole advantage of the short barrel rifle. Um, you know, if I wasn't worried about being suppressed and somebody said pick a gun, it would be a 14 and a half inch gun just for, for weight's sake, to yep. keep it lightweight and still maneuverable, but still give me enough muzzle velocity to have a little bit better chance of making hits at distance as a combat weapon, not necessarily as a civilian weapon, unless the world's melting down, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so, talking about that, could push into ballistics real quick? Sure. Okay. Um, for those of you that are, are still talking about the idea of lethality around 5.56 five, projectiles, and that there's some threshold that that bullet needs to be going with, they're off-quoted as 2,700, 2,750 feet per second. Um, that harkens back to the post-Vietnam days um, of the bullet needs to be going X velocity or it's just a, a it's just a spike going through you. It's an ice pick kind of mentality. If you were shooting M193 55 grain projectiles, um, yes, dropping below 2,700 foot per second is going to make that bullet significantly less lethal. Um, let's go back to the statement that there are very few things that a build drill from a rifle doesn't solve. I don't care what you're shooting out of the gun if it's across the living room um, and you put six rounds in somebody's high thoracic cavity center line or in their snot locker um, really quickly. It, I don't. I do not. Will be I do not care what ammo you're using. It will be effective in modifying behavior of said bad guy. 
Um, when you start talking about battlefield conversations, now I need to engage something at 300 meters and I'm doing it from a 14 and a half inch or especially a 10-3 gun with 55 grain ammo. Again, if I'm putting it betwixt their eyeballs, you'll modify their behavior. If I'm putting it in their chest, you'll modify their behavior. Yes, the world's not a perfect place. The wind blows, it rains, you're obscured by dust, darkness, smoke. Um, you're sweaty, bloody, muddy. There's all these other exigent things on the battlefield that happen that make hits not necessarily be perfect, and I want all the lethality I can get. But as civilians, and in general as law enforcement, we're not limited to a bullet that was designed to be going 3,200 foot per second out of a 20-inch gun and to tumble within two inches of flesh like M193 and do nasty, nasty things out to a few hundred meters. Yeah. Okay, so when we start talking about some of the newer, uh, most modern ammo that's designed as defensive ammo or even hunting ammo. Um, it, it's Which has really gotten pushed in a lot of ways into defensive ammo Absolutely, now. yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, so you look at, you know, the, the need for that super high velocity. I'm not saying that having a little more velocity might not help the bullet do things better. That's true with handgun ammo too. That's why there's always going to be an advantage over a duty size handgun over a three or three and a half inch barrel concealed carry gun. It's because the extra velocity means the bullet can operate at a little bit higher velocity and it's more likely to do the things it was engineered to do with that velocity. It doesn't mean that it won't do it at a much lower velocity and we're seeing that more and more with like federal HST 147s are opening up out of three inch guns at fairly low velocities pretty reliably. When you start talking about even a 10 and a half inch gun, you take around uh, what's the the VMAX, 55 grain VMAX. Yeah. Um, does crazy crap even out of a really short barrel going way slower than that M193 from the muzzle it might only be going 2600 foot per second 2700 foot per second and it still does nasty stuff so ammo selection if you're still quoting that I want the longer barrel because I want more lethality I'm not saying there's nothing to it I'm just saying that ammo selection can mitigate that concern in a big big way with going with the right ammo yeah 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 Hornady's got some um, was it like Hornady black SPR which is a 75 five grain interlock round yeah um is reported to do like just really really nasty things well uh penetrate soft, soft tissue and just like liquefy the insides of it does it things. also does nasty things that interlock round will also go through auto glass and car doors and still yeah. do nasty things which is what's impressive with it um hornady does another 75 grain round that's a short barrel round that is designated specifically for like 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 75 grain, and it's one of their ballistic tip bullets. Um, and it looks like it looks like the pistol ballistic tip. Yeah. Um, and again, it's made to open up at slow velocities, do things. It's also made to help, even as a 75 grain bullet, it's made to help mitigate over penetration and stuff like that too. Um, it, it, you know, there's some stuff out there that's pretty impressive in its capabilities, both in the law enforcement world where it's gotta penetrate intermediate barriers, and in the civilian world where you really don't want it to leave the person right or penetrate anything more than a person kind of conversation so a little bit of that's doing your research with modern ammo and seeing what works uh, for years i ran corbon 53 grain blitzkrieg because it would hit stuff and just literally come apart especially out of a 14 half inch gun yeah um i i don't run i don't play around a lot with that stuff i haven't i just haven't out of a, the 11 and a half inch gun i probably should but I don't have the place to go test that. And anytime you start testing it around drywall and stuff like that, it makes a mess on the range. Then I don't want to leave a mess at the yeah. places I have available to me to shoot. So, you know, but do some research on that because the whole, you know, oh, well, the bullet's got to be going X speed out of an AR to be any good. 
um, when Colonel Cooper talked about the AR-15 being a poodle shooter um, and was very unhappy that it wasn't a 30 caliber gun at that point in time with the ammo selection available and the gun selection available in ARs, twist rates and stuff like that, it, there was some legitimate there was some legitimacy to those statements yeah. that doesn't exist now. Now, do your research, find the right round to use because there's some super effective stuff, even coming out of the muzzlet. 77 grain, 262 razor core, whatever you want to call it, uh, but the generics in that yep. class with the with the SMKs out of my 11 and a half inch gun are generally chrono in around 2550 to, to 26 something. The razor core may be a little bit hotter. Yeah. Um, so that bullet's doing more than enough velocity to do what it needs to do. I don't want to get I don't want to get hit. By I don't it. want to stand in front of one. And again, yeah. and again, we're back to across my living room or down my hallway. If I put six of them in your in your upper thoracic or in your in your snot locker, there you're it's going to modify your behavior whether it's supposed to or not. The conversation with that round is it going to overpenetrate and and wind up in my neighbor's house. Yeah. So work your way through both those concerns. I see a lot of guys saying, "Hey, XYZ Police Department uses this specific round." And the reality is they have to have a round because a lot of the engagements are around vehicles. They have to have a round that works through vehicles and still does bad things to bad guys. Um, you know, that may not make it the best round for you if you live in an apartment complex. So consider that. Yeah. Weigh these things out, be intelligent, be responsible, and make some of those decisions. Um, but I think that's, that's the big deal with the ballistics. If your goal, if you're going to be in Iraq and you're going to be out in uh, uh, an open environment in the sand where you might have three to 600 meter shots, then I'm looking for a 30 caliber gun. Now I want an M110, um, or maybe some of the guys who went over there with M14s the second time, you know, mm -hmm. look for that gun, that 600 meter standoff capability. A, a, a 20 inch barreled AR will get to 600 meters and it'll do pretty bad things with the right ammo. It's just a whole lot more work. Right. So understand that versus the majority of what a civilian or law enforcement is gonna do we joke all the time that if you're shooting at somebody with a rifle at 40, 50 yards, either as a civilian or as a law enforcement officer, you better have one hell of a story to tell. You better have yeah. one hell of a story to tell. So, yeah. Cool. Um, this is a lot of nerd stuff. So, you know, these are, again, conversations we like to have in person, too. Ammo-wise, have a conversation with us when you stop in because there's some really neat stuff out there, but a lot of it's hard to get. Yeah. Still, because it's not made in big quantities. The good yep. defensive ammo, they're not cranking it out like they are 193 or M855 green tip or whatever. So that's going to be an in-store conversation yeah. about what's available and what to choose. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing with, um, you know, with different barrel lengths, different ammo, uh -huh. um, actually chronographing that, you know, do a five-round chronograph, um, get some data, run it through your favorite ballistic app or through JBM Ballistics. Yeah. Uh, and then build yourself a drop chart uh, because it won't all do the same thing at different distances. True. Um, your holds will be different yes. based on barrel length, based on ammo. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so just another another one of those things to be aware of. If you've always shot a 16-inch gun yeah. with 193, you're going to a shorty with 75s or 77s um, holds past... 100 yards are probably going to start to be different. Well, uh, especially just, if you're chasing really small targets. Exactly. And as a very specific example, um, guns zeroed with the just with just 55 grain ammo, uh, 11 and a half inch gun running a Trichicon MRO or yeah MRO with a Formula yeah. dot old school shooting at 300 yards on a 12 inch steel plate. Uh, zeroed at 50. I know my holds. I know my holdovers and stuff like that. And I'm usually holding. 12-ish um, 
and so I'm running about six above the plate, okay? And with the 4MLA dot, it's about 12 inches at 300 yards. Um, so I know my hold on that is to hold on top of the plate. When I went to 262, I had to hold low because it's a more efficient bullet going through the air. Mm. Um, but the 262 Razor Core, I had to hold at the bottom of the plate instead of the top of the plate to put them on, which was interesting to me. Well, middle of the plate to, hold, to put them on yeah. the top of the dot. When I went to 55ers, I knew I could hold just the dot above. When I went to the 75 grain stuff uh, that we were talking about, I think it's the black 75 grain that's the interlock. Yeah. Um, that stuff I had to hold. I was I had to hold probably three more MOA high to drop it on because that bullet's so much less efficient going through the air. Even though it's a yeah. longer bullet, it's not a boat tail and it's got a flat a big flat point. Yeah. Um, and heavier and probably starting <laughs> off a little slower. So you know, and that's just one of the things you you're only going to find out by testing with your gun. The other thing that will affect that largely too is bullet twist. Uh, is barrel twist. You yeah. know, what's your barrel twist if you're running a one and twelve? Um, on something shorter than you know 14 inches you probably want to reevaluate that um, you know and and then otherwise evaluate the weight of the bullet generally nowadays one and nine one and eight one and seven one and seven may limit you one and eight is a good sweet spot and one and nine is not bad because it'll let you run a lot of different ammo too yeah one and seven may limit you may not it just depends on your gun and the ammo in the given day yeah. so be aware of that as well as you're kind of weighing some of those things out um, some of the some of the different options in one and eight are kind of nice but I, i've got one and seven to seem to run everything yeah so no problem yeah so, yeah yep 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 um again big topic we could probably go <coughs> we could probably go on and on and on and on and on and on and on but the reality check is this is something that popped up and i think there is a functional aspect to looking at what do you need you know because that was going to be a different podcast is what do you need what do you actually need um, you know, and a, a good 16-inch carbine solves a whole lot of problems in a whole lot of different situations. Um, you know, if you're looking for that generalist gun, it's hard to argue with a 14 and a half to 16-inch gun. If you need to reach out there, then there's a different conversation around ammo and maybe caliber. Yeah. And, but if you need the mobility or you need the size or you want to put a can on it, that's really where the little bitty gun shines. So, you know, so it's kind of weighing those things out and seeing what works for you. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, a lot, it seems like a lot around here, the 16-inch gun got uncool with the pistol brace and free SBR thing going on. 16-inch guns got uncool. Everybody wanted a little bitty gun all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, there might be some wisdom to that 16-inch gun, especially when you're not talking suppressors. Definitely. Yep. Yep. So, cool. Anything else? I mean, that's we threw a lot that, in there. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good you know, overview, um, quick overview of... Yeah, kind of the our barrel lengths and then your know, pros, cons, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, as we come across other interesting things like that, uh, we do try to get them posted up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we are Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we are Cap City Outfitters too. On our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Grill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and then on Saturdays, 10 to 3, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.